Hi everyone, and welcome to Rotating Reels. I'm Hank Showalter, and joining me are my co-hosts Keegan Tran and Taylor May. Uh, since this is the first episode, I'll be introducing the basic premise of this podcast, which is every week we'll be discussing a movie that we've all watched. Uh, we'll have a rotating A week, B week structure. On A weeks, uh, we'll all watch uh, a recent film that's come out that none of us have seen before, and on B weeks. We'll watch a movie picked by one of the three hosts that they have seen before, but the other two have not, or have not seen recently. So this week, we chose Pieces of a Woman, and it's an A week, so none of us had seen it before very recently. And who chose it? Who Who's responsible for us watching this uplifting and cheery film? This was on me. It's a very, it's a very dry spell in January of new movies to, to pick through. Very slim pickings. Well, I'm glad we got a nice, you know, easy one to start off with. And I, well, I was thinking, to, it's, I think it's actually probably, if we're concerned with getting more viewers, I think this is potentially one of the worst new movies that we could have picked. Because A, it's getting no marketing press from Netflix. I don't think many people have really seen it outside of film circles. And second, I don't think we can explain much of any of the movie until we get into spoilers, right? I think there's... I mean, maybe 10 minutes of introduction and a, a little bit about the major themes and, and like some acting. But I think it's all kind of tied around one central action that happens, you know, 10, 15 minutes into the movie. So yeah, not a great I choice, was, but I was thinking about that is that like kind of all I can say without ruining anything is that the acting's great. The production values are great. I mean, like the dialogue feels real. A lo all those nuts and bolts are really good. It's the part that we can't talk about that makes it uh, kind of a struggle <laughs> to view. Well, okay, so, yeah, what was everyone's initial impressions, Hank? What did, what did you think? So I like movies that are hard to watch. You know, I'm, I'm a diehard horror fan. I've seen a lot of torture porn. I don't enjoy all of it, but, you know, <laughs> like, I've seen it. You know, I've seen The Saw. I've seen a Serbian film. I wouldn't watch it again. But anyway, this film, I have to say, you know, is not hard to watch because it's a bad film. It's hard to watch because it's such a good film, but it's one of the best films I've seen that I would never recommend to anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's... So, w kind of my entire thought process watching this, my first reaction and the same one I had the entire time was, who is this movie for? Like, who sits down and thinks, this is exactly what I need to do tonight to unwind... Like, it doesn't seem like it's for people that have gone through... Like, it doesn't seem cathartic for people that have gone through what the movie's about. It doesn't seem interesting to people who haven't gone through it. So who... Did you guys feel like this movie had a clear audience to you? Or did it feel kind of... Kind of lost? I personally felt like... I thought the movie had at least somewhat of a clear audience for the first three quarters-ish. And then it changed kind of dramatically for the last quarter which was very confusing to me um and to try and provide like a little bit more detail on that without spoiling anything um some of the central characters in the film are uh two uh domestic partners significant others a man and a woman and for the first three quarters of the movie i kind of got the impression that it was being directed at people in similar situations if not the same situation as the male partner in the couple but then mm. for the last portion of the movie that was very clearly not the case at least to me um so that that was kind of confusing to me tonally yeah they set it up like it's about their i mean the first scene is is with shia, shia labeouf so it seems like this is going to be about them as a couple about their relationship and then you're right at the that last kind of quarter it just becomes all about this woman but it didn't feel it didn't feel set up for that to me so i was kind of lost about and that maybe we can talk more about and get into spoilers but sort of the ch change her character goes through makes it pretty hard to base a movie around that character yeah and i think and i mean i don't I think the director is norwegian i want to say so originally this was based on a play that the director had done in Poland um, that was documenting the real events that happened between him and his partner at the time. Um, and so I think 
the arguments that you know it's it's kind of following that domestic partnership and, and the things they go through and kind of like how they work through it and, and that kind of initial setup that you know may or may not be followed through on i think that definitely was kind of the drive of it originally but i mean when i sat down to watch it i got this you know initially very art housey feel kind of you know in pre-covid times felt like something you'd see at like a super small theater with like a you know a draft beer and things like that and like you know other film snobs around you um but yeah i think like ultimately it kind of seems similar to like the safety brother movies or like a lot of these it kind of gave me vibes of like this is going to be like all acting driven the kind of movie that like think of what is it what was it so good good time is that the the robert pattinson one with safety brothers um so just kind of these like super oh like, yeah, yeah 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 these very like actor driven movies that are like you know most of the time there's not much going on plot wise or you're kind of just like focally set in on these actors that are like you know child actors that are like moving more into the kind of indie space um and kind of like give them room to breathe right because i mean i think vanessa kirby she did fast and furious spinoff right but i i didn't know much like mainstream of her outside of i think she's done like a lot of british work so like the crown things like that stuff that i'm not super familiar with um so I think, like, you know, definitely a powerhouse performance from Vanessa Kirby. Most of the movie falls on her shoulders. Um, and it kind of one of the things that I was thinking throughout and that I wanted to ask you guys is, do you think Shia LaBeouf is actually a good actor? And do you think he's, I guess by that, I mean, do you think that he is working hard to perform and be this gruff kind of crazy guy? Or is that kind of just the Shia LaBeouf shtick that he's fallen into with his recent roles? I don't know. I actually... Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Taylor, but I'm going to continue. No, no, I was, no go ahead. Um, I, I was actually, I didn't know what to expect from Shia LaBeouf going in. Obviously, I've seen him in the Transformers franchise, uh, loved by film critics worldwide. Um, <laughs> I, I had also seen him during public breakdowns and freakouts. Um, so, you know, I, I'd seen him as, you know, someone that's basically a boy, and I'd seen him as someone that was ostensibly a man, but also freaking out in public. And so I didn't really know what I was going to get from him coming into this movie. And I really thought that uh, even though he had his moments uh, of outbursts throughout the film, his best moments were kind of being like a restrained part of the partnership. You know, he's making like rhyming jokes that he's enjoying clearly. Um, he, he, he seemed like a very believable boyfriend to me, which just really wasn't something I had expected from him coming in. And for that reason alone, I, I would say that this movie really elevated Chaya in my eyes, um, even though I probably wouldn't watch it again. Yeah, I don't know how you, you know, I don't know how he ever gets past even Stevens. To me, that was that was peak Shia LaBeouf. But no, I, 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 I agree with you, Hank, that I thought he did a great job. I thought he was the most enticing character in the whole thing, um, which was kind of disappointing for me that the movie ended up not really being about him or even the partnership, but about her, as you know, the title would suggest. But he seemed he seemed compelling and you were on his side and like it's, he, he seemed like he was driving most of what was happening, especially in that first act. And actually, building on that, like, you're on his side thing, um, you know, as with, you know, many characters that develop throughout a film, there, there are moments where he's doing things that anyone, you know, would be fine with. And there are moments in the film where he's doing things that most people would disagree with. And I thought it was kind of a testament uh, to the writing, the directing, and to his acting skill that when you got to those moments where he was doing something you wouldn't agree with, at least I wasn't like, ah, oh, yeah, fuck you. I, in my mind, yeah. I was like, oh, no, shit, dude. You know, you're, like, kind of you know, falling off the good guy wagon. And, you know, it's, it's hard to make me feel that. I, I, uh, I often, you know, see someone do something bad, and I'm like, I knew you were bad from the beginning. So, anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it would have been nice if, if maybe we can, I can say some of this when we get into the spoiler section, but it would have been nice if he kind of had that redemption arc right like because we we liked him in the beginning he seemed reasonable and then bad things happen and we kind of understand why they're happening right it doesn't just seem out of left field we kind of get his character's motivations and feelings and then nothing 
and then it just ends with him in that state i mean i almost missed the the last scene that he was in when he uh when he leaves i almost missed that that's how like short that was and how kind of he just wilted out of the movie he just disappeared for like the last the last act i don't i actually i think i think his acting is good in this i don't know that i necessarily sided with his character very much in the early part of the movie and i think again i kind of want to come like loop back to that in spoilers because i think there's certain things that were both in his in his writing and in other you know areas of the movie that are just like a little bit too convenient and i think ultimately serve to kind of like bring the movie in on vanessa kirby's character which i think is good and i like i enjoy that she is the focal point of it right she's like you know, you're, you're kind of expecting that when you're going into a movie called Pieces of a Woman. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that, like, the machinations of getting him out of the movie are entirely earned. Um, but again, I think that is, is kind of safe for, like, the last 10 minutes of the movie that I, I kind of take problem with. So um, we'll definitely save that for spoilers. But I, I didn't really find him to be super empathetic of a character. I think he was, like, definitely compelling. Um, but I, I pretty quickly was not on his side um hmm. wait so why because from my perspective he seemed like he was trying in the relationship and she seemed and i not that i don't understand why she felt the way she felt of course but it seemed like she, she wasn't putting anything into them as a relationship and he even says that right he even says we're supposed to be a team and i can totally get why he didn't feel like she was pulling her wave mm-hmm. yeah i guess I, I think it all just happens a little suddenly, and I think like there's something that we were joking a little bit about in the pre-show, like that was a little comedic, and I think that is kind of one of the scenes where it starts to turn a little abruptly, and I, I think that like uh, sh- part of her character arc is is being a little bit distant, and you know just kind of like I think she kind of withdraws into herself, and that's how you know she deals with certain things that happen throughout the movie, but um, I, I guess I think that the supportive move would be just to kind of let that happen and move along with it. Not, you know, that he doesn't have his own needs in the relationship, but I think that it was, I think the Shia LaBeouf's character is ultimately set up to be one that is very selfish and like primarily looking out for his own best interests. And I think that's something that like very much gets pulled in. And I think, you know, you had talked about how you wanted a redemption arc for him. And I think the way that he's removed from the plot could have served as a really good way for him to kind of turn against it and to stay in and, and kind of pull that redemption arc so I, I don't know I think I think he was like I said I think the acting was really good but I, don't, I didn't love the character which is interesting because I think he is meant to be written from the perspective of the director so I think uh-huh. I might be in the minority in thinking that you know he wasn't a super empathetic character well let's let's get into the spoilers because I want to dive into that because I I had the total opposite takeaway with this character. Okay. Well, before we get into spoilers, uh, overall, I think everyone enjoyed it. Would never watch it again. Is that a fair assertion? I, d- I didn't enjoy it. I did not have a fun time. Okay. I think it's a good very, movie. <laughs> yes. Very, oh, very well done. Yeah. Everybody that was involved in it did a great job. Don't think I need to ever watch a movie like that again if I can help it. Yep. I would. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. I wouldn't say that there was maybe like the last 10 minutes of the film i i enjoyed um and for those that are unaware the last 10 minutes are the credits rolling and it's very pretty um but uh, um <laughs> i would say that i thought the movie was knocked out of the park i think that what the 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 director was trying to do was was uh, I, i'm not sure what he was trying to do but i'm sure he did it um you know i haven't been in a lot of these situations myself but i thought the direction was great the cinematography was ambitious and impressive uh the acting was all great the writing was great the dialogue was organic uh but i at the end of 2020 i didn't uh need to see this film you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's that's kind of what i felt when i was thinking who is this movie for right because it's it's not like it's it's a mood piece and the mood is depression but not in that cathartic way where it, you know, informs you about your own depression or helps you deal with similar stuff. It's like, I'm going to make you feel this terrible mood. And it's, to- I think for most people that watch movie, totally unrelated to anything else you might be feeling depression-wise. You're just another layer of depression and not something else to be upset about in your life. 
So I don't know like who who sits down and thinks that's what I need. I need to I need to feel depressed about something totally different right now. But Keegan, would you say that you enjoyed the film or do you have a similar take to Taylor and I here? Uh no, it was <clears throat> and I think I think you, you brought up a good comparison in the beginning when you said that you've you know you've watched plenty of torture porn i think you know in 2021 it's being a little older than i was when i saw it originally like hostel sticks out as something that was really difficult to watch and revisiting like those kind of like very like outlandish kind of violent movies is one thing but this really just feels like emotional torture porn i think like you know there's yeah. there's very little that kept me you know, wanting to cover my eyes or, or like it was, it was easy to, to look at the screen, but I think there was, I just felt awful the whole night afterwards. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I, I agree, Taylor. I think that like, there is really just this attitude of like, is, you know, is this meant as a piece for the director to kind of have his auteur vision and work through it and, you know, not really make much of a statement, but just kind of put his own experience out there that, you know, him and his partner shared. I, I, I kind of agree that, the audience is is it's a little hard to pick apart um and i think like uh, yeah i think the mood piece of it is very appealing i think something that you talked about and i think i definitely want to carry into the spoiler piece but the cinematography is really just absolutely amazing i think like outside of you know one focal scene that is probably going to be the main focus of the spoiler conversation um, i think there's just some really interesting things that and i i texted you guys during to say but i i really feel like this is not something that was made by an american director i think there's a lot of comfortability that he had working with a cinematographer just like zooming in on people's faces on a subway just like you know sitting with vanessa kirby while she eats an apple on the subway for three minutes while there's no dialogue going on right you're just listening to the background noise of new york um so yeah I, i think all of this really contributes like you said to that being a really great mood piece i enjoyed it a lot uh i'll never watch it again i cannot think of many people that i would recommend to watch this and again for that i apologize no but it's weird right because you can't watch it and there's no one to pin that feeling of like i don't want to watch this again on right there's no acting that's bad the script isn't bad the cinematography is beautiful like everything feels really well done so there's no like person at fault which maybe it, maybe it's not a fault, right? Maybe they the director didn't want you to enjoy watching it. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't want you to ever watch it again. So that was, that was kind of something I thought about a lot was what was the intent behind this movie because it seemed pretty ambiguous to me in terms of what it's trying to say, who it's trying to say it to. Yeah, I think I, I think that's something that's really common that comes up in like the horror thriller drama or like the horror and thriller genre um, of just like, you know, maybe there's not a lot of like personal reasons behind this, but just, you know, putting something up to, to make the audience feel uncomfortable. But I think like the differences in like horror, you're kind of trying to elicit some kind of like uncomfortability or like you said, like make people look inwardly. And I, I guess I just don't know because it's such a personal thing that happens in this movie that that is the intended feeling. So I think maybe you're meant to, I think just the biggest takeaway is that you're meant to empathize with, Vanessa Kirby's character I think you know I I don't know how often this this event happens within other people's lives uh, but I guess the big takeaway is that like it is something that I you know was pretty unversed in like I I didn't even really know that these things like were so popular that that happened in like that kind of causes to be an issue um and so kind of reading up about it afterwards it's it's fairly common a lot of couples will go through this um and so, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting take. It definitely is not something that I think I would ever encounter in my life, knock on wood. But it's, you know, a window into something that's absolutely terrible that I hope to never experience and, you know, no one that I know to ever experience. Um, so I guess it was it was interesting to be along for the ride, if, if not enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, it really just kind of reaffirmed ideas I already had about, you know, sudden infant death syndrome or, or things like that which is uh, that's terrible and i don't i hope i never have to learn anything more about it like i I understand right away this is a terrible horrible thing i wish to befall no one you know and with that we've moved into spoiler (laughs) territory i couldn't wait i couldn't wait do you want to do you want to introduce the scene oh my god okay well so first thing first scene shia labeouf he's building a bridge all right, that's pretty cool. I think he does a good job of that. I believe him as a construction guy. I think the costuming's all great, all very organic, realistic looking. I can second that, and having then, worked in construction. Yeah, there you go, right? 
And so then we go into uh, we we meet his, his lady friend, you know, the the our heroine for this journey, and we come to find out they're going to have a home birth. So right off the bat, I'm already having a hard time identifying with these people because if I'm having a kid, I want the most experimental medical shit there is. I want futuristic space medicine. That's what I want. So I'm already like, oh, I know how this is going to go. Because, you know, I, I've had people I know, family, friends, or teachers, or people that have done home births and it hasn't ended up well. So I'm, right off the bat, I'm thinking, oh, man, why are we doing this? And we never get any sort of we, – we barely get a defense of yep. why they want to do it. Right? So we're just along for the ride. As you might imagine, things don't go well. And uh, and uh, through after – how long was that birthing scene? Like 30 minutes, 40 minutes? 24 minutes. God. It felt so, so much longer than 24 minutes. Yeah, and it's, it's worth mentioning here that those 24 minutes are before the title card even plays. Like that is yeah. your intro yep. to the film – lots of it is made up of continuous shots like the whole thing drags on not in a bad way you know in a like a very constructed and compelling way but they make it feel like an eternity of watching this home birth happen you see it go from beginning to end in real time yeah yeah and they uh they do a good job of keeping us in the same like ignorance level as these people meaning like we're not we're not medical experts about how home births are supposed to go right and neither are these people and so when there's tension around things happening it's we feel it right so so far when i'm watching this i'm feeling pretty good about the pacing about what everything's going on i think that the characters in their confusion kind of matches my confusion but then the kind of not resolution of course but like explanation later right there's even there's even a a courtroom drama scene kind of sprinkled in so times where you think we might get some uh, understanding we might get some more medical information which would really help us judge that birth scene and and the traumatic events that go around it we never get that so we're kind of just lost in a daze the entire movie sort of like the main character and so that that kind of i it's it's hard right because you want you want to be in the same emotional state as the character, or you at least you want to understand why they're feeling, how they're feeling, why they're feeling it. And we never, like, from right from the beginning, we don't even know why they want to have a home birth. That's kind of how I felt the entire movie, is I don't really understand why these characters are doing most of the things they're doing, mm-hmm. besides big, broad strokes like depression, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, so just, just to set the scene, again, this it's a 24-minute one-take <clears throat> Um and you know we can talk about the cinematography later but just to set it up from like plot devices we start i think they're just sitting at the dinner table just hanging out right and i think yeah she realizes that she's having um like she's she's going into labor um i think like one or two minutes in she her water breaks they call the the midwife um and they have a midwife that they really like she picks up she got i think it was a scheduling issue and so she's going to send a replacement because the original midwife is in the middle of a labor currently so they send a replacement that she says she trusts. Uh, they, I think, they try to get her into onto the into the living room to start the birth. The midwife replacement shows up. Uh, basically, things are going pretty commonly. They move her into the bathtub for a little bit uh, because she's having a lot of pain. And then eventually, we move Vanessa Kirby's character into the bedroom where the main labor scene happens. Um, so this whole time, we're moving between different rooms. We're not just staying with one character. Um, you know, the midwife has to move back and forth between the living room to grab her medical bags. Um, and we're following this all in, in one unbroken take. We get into the bedroom um, and then the midwife says that she's kind of concerned because the heart rate isn't coming up as much as she'd like for the baby. Um, and that's kind of, you know, by this point, we're maybe 10 to 15 minutes into the 24 minute one take. So uh, you start getting a little bit of worry. There's not a lot of scoring in the movie to indicate that this is going really wrong. Um, but just, you know, kind of based off Shia LaBeouf's how nervous he's getting and he starts following the midwife around and asking to make sure everything's going to be okay because he's kind of trying to, you know, comfort his his girlfriend while also, you know, making sure that everything's going well from the midwife's perspective and then move into the bedroom, uh, give birth to the baby. Uh, they hold the baby while she cries a little bit. And at this point, uh, they had been instructed to call an ambulance because the baby was in distress during birth. They hold the baby while it cries, um, and the midwife takes a minute to breathe, turns around, realizes that the baby is blue, 
um, tries to resuscitate, and by this point, the ambulance has showed up. And this is kind of, I think, one of the last scenes that we see is Shia LaBeouf runs outside of the house barefoot, brings the ambulance in, and from there, I think it's straight to the title card. Um, and again, yeah. 24 minutes unbroken. Um, I would definitely encourage you guys to read. There's an article on Esquire where they did an interview with the cinematographer. Um, really interesting to read how they set it up. I think the cinematographer wanted to do this on a set, uh, but the director seems like a very kind of like, let's just take things as we go. It's very like on the fly kind of uh, like filmmaking style. Um, and so originally it was based on the play that had two scenes, which was the birth in the bathroom and then the dinner scene that happens at the mother's house. Um, and so the only addition to the movie is that we bring in the courtroom drama at the end, um, which takes up like 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting read. Essentially, they had only practiced it one day before and they only had three days to film this. So they did one run through with an iPad. Um, they did it in 36 minutes and then the cinematographer basically said, we'll try it again tomorrow and we're gonna cut it by 10 minutes. And that was the second take um, which I think was really great. I think, you know, it did a really great job of following them throughout. Um, one of the things that he talked about is how early on, like he kind of gives them a lot of room and it's very kind of slow and you feel kind of comfortable. And as things get progressively more heated and more concerning, he kind of zooms in on the characters more and gets kind of more personal with them as it, as it gets a lot more intense. So definitely a really interesting read. It was really interesting to hear about how Vanessa Kirby and, and Shia LaBeouf were so interested and on board with it. Um, Cause I think really, while it is like a very well-made film overall, I think, you know, having that, not only that really dramatic scene, but having it happen as an unbroken one take that was only rehearsed once before is, is really powerful. So I, I think, you know, the movie's great without it, but it really would not be the same experience w with that scene not there. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I was incredibly impressed by the one take, um, you know, to to draw some parallels there, like, a lot of people are really impressed by the the long take at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I I don't necessarily want to compare the two films because they're they're not similar at all. But I was similarly impressed by the twenty four minute one take at the beginning of this film. Yeah, and I, Keegan, I actually didn't know that uh, that they had only rehearsed it once before. I mean, it's pretty incredible yeah. because it's a very real emotional scene and. I almost think it like that that's kind of the the not mood but sort of the ambiance of the entire film right that same sort of style and I I almost feel like it doesn't it doesn't work for the rest of the film anywhere near as well as it does for that first scene because the first scene we have a lot of tension and emotion built up in the birth that we're doing right that's what's driving everything forward is that birth the characters are doing it they're a part of it but they're not the main thing happening, right? And then the rest of the movie without that birth sort of feels wandering and lost. And I know I'm making, I feel like I'm making it sound better than how I think of how I think it is, because yeah, obviously these characters now feel lost and, and, and wandering around in their own lives or in their own heads. But it kind of makes for a boring movie when it's you know it's centered around these characters that are so depressed they can't talk or really interact with each other. Like that's if you don't have some sort of violent medical emergency going on at the same time, it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to keep you paying attention. I I almost feel like that was somewhat intentional, right? It felt like this kind of, that is like you know we're with them in this just deep apathetic depression, right? Like it's you know like imagine if you like hit your head and your ears just like are completely silent for a couple seconds before it starts ringing, right? Like I think we're really just meant to feel the weight of it. And then we just are with them for an hour, hour and a half feeling the numbness. And I think, I mean, I, I definitely agree that the runtime can kind of trail on. I think there's a lot of family drama that could be pulled out from the middle. Um, but I think overall that is like the big takeaway, right? Is that like that kind of numbness is meant to be putting us in the shoes of Vanessa Kirby's character, right? Cause I think throughout, and this is why I'd said that I think she is so much of more of an empathetic character than Shia LaBeouf's characters. You know, throughout we see she runs into her mom's friend who knows everything. Like she's she's seeing her coworkers. Everyone's concerned. They're, and I think the knee-jerk reaction to seeing someone who's gone through this is just, you know, you can shift the blame to the midwife. And I think, like you said, a, a lot was left out, whether she was incompetent or, or whether like the home birth just wasn't safe to perform on, you know, Vanessa Kirby's character. But um 
like throughout, you basically just see everyone saying like, she's gonna pay, we have to take her to court. Like a lot of this gets pulled into whether or not she's gonna serve jail time. And, and I don't think throughout the entire film, and I took some notes during, but I don't think anyone ever really asks how she's doing. I think, you know, people say like, I'm sorry for your loss, or, you know, I think people are actually more offering their condolences to Shia LaBeouf's character, if anything. So I think like her method of dealing with this is just like very, very in her own head and it's very quiet. And I think a lot of that comes through in the filmmaking. But that's that's kind of I mean from my perspective kind of the trouble right is that she goes into this postpartum depression after the her, her child dies and then we never really learn anything else about her right like I don't mm-hmm. even know what she does for a living I don't know her opinions or beliefs about anything really and so which that could be okay because obviously her character's going through some shit but then we just get rid of all the other characters. Yep. Right. Like, who are the two other big characters? Her husband or her uh, partner, Shy, and the then cousin. her mother. Well, she she has a cousin. She's got some coworkers, but I, we yeah. never learn their names, do we? The cousin's I, name yeah, is I think Suzanne, the credits. but uh, the coworkers we never learn their names. And so this, yeah, is, was, I think this will surprise you. So I, when I was reading about it afterwards, she's meant to be an executive at the company. She's meant to be a C-suite. And I, I do not think, I think that is a, a huge failing of the movie is I think that that could have added a lot more weight of like, you know, if someone that high ranking comes back, whereas like, I think she kind of just comes across as like any other employee. And I think like a lot more could have been done with that. Yeah. Don't yeah. We don't, we don't know anything about her. Like she likes apples. That's she likes apples and she yep. had a, had a child die and she has a job. Yeah, and a family. That's it. We don't know anything else. That's actually kind of an interesting thing um, for for me when you kind of con- contrast her character with Shia's character in the movie. Um, the the beginning of the movie is establishing pretty pretty exactly what Shia is doing. He's a construction worker. He's building a bridge. It establishes kind of his sense of humor. It's showing like the styles of jokes he's making several times. It's establishing kind of like how he relates to her. You know, he's always trying to calm her down and lighten the situation like we get a lot of information about shia's character but then Mm -hmm. with vanessa kirby's character we really just see her leaving an office and then Mm -hmm. giving birth and i felt like there was probably a lot more room to explore that character Um, and it may have been an intentional choice not to but since she is the focal point of the film i thought that there could have been some more time introducing the character before we jump right into her being kind of this 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 completely numb version of herself just because i didn't personally feel there was any indication that she wasn't numb before the the disaster <laughs> yeah. um the, the only real indication i saw was that like she had some pictures on the fridge where she was laughing um just my take yeah no, but you're right. We see more emotion from some still photos of the character than we do from the actual character in most of the movie. And it's worth mentioning think... here, just real quick, that I don't think that this is a failing of Vanessa Kirby as an actor. I think that, that sure. this was no, written no, no, no. into her character. I think that the emotions that were written for her, she displayed like really well. Um, it's just that she oh, didn't yeah. necessarily have a lot of room to show us who she was before the event that the rest of the film focuses on. Yeah, and I, I think I'm probably the biggest apologist for the script, and I, I again, I think I'm probably giving it more credit than intentional, but I think also kind of an outcome of only showing like her life contextualized within this event is that like to us, that is all we know about her, and I think that's like how we see other characters respond to her is that like that really to them is the only thing that she's bringing into these events is, is that, that baggage of that event. So I think like, is it meant to mirror at all? Are we, are we like, how much would knowing more about her really help? Um, and I think like, I, I don't know, I think the coldness that she like displays with other characters is kind of, you know, potentially intentional. I, I see what you're saying. I just feel like it would have, it would have meant more to watch the interactions between her and her partner and her mother if we knew yeah. more about her about their relationship right and and presumably those two characters her partner and her mother care about her in other ways than she has this baby or she had tried to have this baby right so like obviously that's what they're talking about now but they, it just almost i like whereas i think you're kind of seeing it as oh look how she's isolated 
as even as this traumatic incident's happening, I'm kind of looking at it thinking, well, this is pr a pretty one-dimensional character. If there's really nothing else we, we learn about from her, nothing else to talk about besides this big, giant, traumatic thing that's now dominating her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think I can, I can really see where both of you are coming from on this, because in terms of like my interest as a viewer, I think I tend to decide with Taylor and say that I, I really felt like there was a lot of, of room for some more development. I felt like I could have become more invested. But looking at the plot of the film as a whole, pretty much every interaction she has, even with her own mother, even with uh, her, her, her partner, Shia, or with her sister, everyone is talking about her loss, and they're not even really consoling her about it. They're talking mm -hmm. about how it needs to be righted, how they need revenge on the midwife. And so I think that, you know, if you're looking at the film through her perspective, it's, it's, it's kind of an effective way of showing that, like, this event kind of, to the people around her, kind of reduces her to the single dimension. But if you're looking at it from a viewer's perspective, I felt that uh, it doesn't necessarily drive viewer interest as much as having a slightly different, uh, different characterization might have. That said... Uh, it really comes down to the intention of the the writer and director. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, a hundred percent. And and you know, kind of going along further into the plot, as this traumatic event is still, you know, it's it's causing her and her relationships to sort of fall apart, including with her her partner and and, and her mother, to the point where when we get to you know going into the third act he leaves right he gets on he gets on a plane and he fucks off and then the mom gets dementia so the only two other characters we're getting a lot of time with they're literally gone they're no longer able mm -hmm. to really give us anything and so all we're left with is this character who's in this sort of catatonic depression which doesn't you know it's hard to it's hard to drive it any plot forward when the main <laughs> character the only character now isn't even talking one thing i would like to add here is that even though Shia acts or exits the movie as a character or as like an on-screen character there is kind of one final contribution from the character during the ending court scene where it's revealed that uh he gave testimony that the midwife did nothing wrong in his opinion and I actually thought that was kind of a, a powerful final note for the character which is that you know he was uh of you know he varied in terms of how sympathetic i felt to him uh there's moments in the early movie where he's trying to alleviate uh the the anxiety that vanessa kirby's character is feeling and i sympathized with him then there are scenes where he's cheating on vanessa kirby's character and uh, you know obviously i was like oh what a piece of shit um but then that final piece of testimony even though it seems like you know, she's in court testifying against the midwife, and he's kind of contradicting uh, what her desired outcome of the case would be. I think that the fact that he says that the midwife seemed to be, uh, you know, not in the wrong there is kind of a powerful moment because it gives Vanessa Kirby's character a moment to kind of switch her direction there and kind of accept the fact that it wasn't really anybody's fault necessarily. Um, which I think is part of the message about uh, sudden infant death syndrome. You know, it's not always someone's fault. But uh, even though he had exited the film, I thought it was kind of a powerful final note for him off screen to uh, kind of contribute that piece of testimony that allows for kind of the final piece of closure for Vanessa Kirby's character. Yeah, and that they they kind of agree right that that's the last little tendril of their relationship but even the court scene right like we never get any expert medical testimony or anything right so it almost kind of doesn't like the whole part of it being in a courtroom right and that weight of this legal thing we never know it, it may not matter whether or not shy or or the woman think the the think the wet nurse not the wet nurse the um uh, midwife, midwife did anything wrong right because what do they know about home childbirth same thing i know nothing so i have no idea if it was if it if like so these characters could be saying this stuff and again it's like uh, i just don't have any context i don't know i don't know why they're necessarily saying it have they read her talk to other doctors or nurses and learn something in the interim period that i don't know 
like nothing nothing hits for me after that first scene because no one's really explaining their motives or why they do anything. Well, I'd actually push back on that a little bit um, because there is the scene uh, where Shia and Vanessa are in the office with their doctor. And he's basically saying, we haven't been able to determine what went wrong. And he specifically says that in a majority of these cases, they never know what went wrong. And from that moment, I kind of accepted that... Uh, definitively speaking they would never be able to lay the blame at anyone's feet and so i think it's kind of actually a powerful moment in the end that even though they don't know what's wrong vanessa kirby's character is able to kind of decide where she stands on laying the blame because i think a lot of the movie is her kind of struggling with you know like it, I, I don't know with what exactly you know is it her fault is it the midwife's fault should she be angry and her you know in that last moment being able to say you know like it was no one's fault is like a, a pretty powerful piece of closure because they're, they're never going to be able to like i said definitively place the blame at someone's feet so like at the end in the end it comes down to how she feels about it and the fact that she's able to feel like it wasn't the midwife's fault that is kind of the, the piece that allows it to work. It allows her to move on. Yeah. Keegan, what do, what do you think? I, so I think the whole, a couple of things. I think the, the courtroom scene is, is where this whole just awful feeling kind of comes to a head, right? Cause it's, I think you start to realize, right? Like you start to sympathize a little bit with the midwife, right? It, it's clear. I think we're what, like 12 to 15 months into the story at this point. Right. So like, you know, we've seen Shia LaBeouf reading articles about her. We've seen like many newsreels about her. So we know that like maybe the main characters have been a little more involved, but this has mostly been a thing that has tied up the midwife's life. Um, and so it, you feel bad for her. You, it's clear that she feels a lot of remorse. This is the first time she's seen Vanessa Kirby since the loss of the child. But also like you, you know, you're frustrated with the mom that kind of pushed her into it. And she's sitting there in the courtroom with her. Um, you know, Vanessa Kirby's getting flustered, telling the events of the story. And, you know, I, I feel like the, the, the defense is just really, really hard on her, which, you know, of course is their job, but it, after spending so much time with the character, you feel kind of defensive for her, right? Like you, you feel like this is kind of unjust the amount of, of grilling that he puts her through. Um, so it's just, it, on all accounts, it's frustrating. You kind of find out that Shia LaBeouf gave this testimony that may or may not go against Vanessa Kirby's testimony. Um, so it's just all, it feels awful. You just, and like, I think you really feel this same feeling that she does, right? Like of, of just kind of wanting a break and to want to step away for a few minutes. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the courtroom scene is, is helpful. I think it, it's like a good third act where I think the play might not have had that. But one of the problems that I have with it, I think that like her driving force of kind of coming to terms with the events being going on recess for a couple hours and just taking a stroll through Boston and finding conveniently that she had dropped the camera roll off with this shop and she finds it and, you know, she sees the pictures of her. I think, you know, it's, it's nice to get the release that she, you know, accepts things that happen and she's going to, you know, release the midwife from the prosecution and, you know, like let that all go. But it, it just feels all a little bit too convenient. Um, and it's, Oh, what was that? I, wasn't it her sister who found the camera and had the film developed? And that's yeah. And so she, wait, does no, the sister get developed? Yeah, I think she takes it because remember no, that was her. Because the sister drops off an earring and the <clears throat> film roll, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was the mother that picked up the film. With the mom grabbed? I thought Vanessa Kirby's character took it. I'm sorry, Vanessa Kirby. The the I was referring to her. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, gotcha. Because that was that, and that was one of the things that really frustrated me. It's like, and it kind of signaled that turn for Shia LaBeouf's character. It's something that like you talked about earlier of like how he's telling jokes and like one of the things in that interview at Esquire is like they were talking about like his position is to be like a person who's in the room that knows they're not helpful and they just want to like lighten the mood and like be helpful where they can and that really came through in the acting writing I think that was really great I think he's a believable character through all of that um, and you had talked about in the doctor's office where they say that you know he can't place the blame anywhere and I think that's like something that he's really searching for as a character he yells at the doctor and I think that's kind of the tipping point to where I followed his believability. Um, 
And I think all the things he kind of does after that seem a little bit outside of the character. And it's like, oh, we started drinking again. So it's no big deal. He's going to do coke again. He's going to bang her cousin. He's going to take the check. Like it, it just, it all feels a little convenient. And I think like it, it, from a screenwriting perspective, it feels a little bit lazy. And I think also like not only finding the film reel in the van, but also finding the earring in the van. It's all just like a little deus ex machina. Like it just, it feels like a kind of inorganic way to wrap things up. Like, oh, I'm underwater on the van. I got to get rid of it. I'm going to crash it. Like, I, I guess I just didn't love the way that that played out. And so I, I, I guess to the big question, I think like his giving the testimony and that coming up in the courtroom scene was, I agree. It was an, it was a nice like outro to the character. Um, and I also think that like, it really just added to my feeling of dread watching that like final testimony. Yeah. I, I see. I kind of I got where Shy was coming from, right? So he clearly had some addiction issues before, in their life together, the, the, them as a as a partnership, mm-hmm. and then she is so shut off in this postpartum depression that she's not communicating at all about most things. It seems like not that that's not believable or not, but he's going through shit too. He lost his child as well, and so when his partner, who maybe is the person that again, it'd be nice to know if. Was she the person that helped him get clean and sober the first time? We don't we don't know that. Yeah. But if 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 she was, it can seem believable how he fell into it again and and how it just torpedoed his whole life. But you're right. I think the whole so by some happenstance, the prosecutor of this case of potential you know medical malpractice happens to be the cousin of um, Vanessa, and somehow or rather shy and her start having an affair and it's just like why i i don't know he's yeah. he, he could cheat on her with random people what what is this adding to have the prosecutor yep. be the person that's doing it but just so you can get this like kind of meet cute in the kitchen or i mean in the living room at the family party and it's oh it's awkward and you smoke a cigarette together later i yeah it, it didn't add much in my mind yeah and it didn't help us like see shy's addiction or struggles any deeper because this character was somehow associated with other parts of what was going on but on the on the court scene, I, I don't know if this is just if this is just me, but whether or not the the mother or the father or any of these people think the midwife did anything wrong does not change if she has criminal liability or not, right? Like if she if she messed up, she could still go to jail. So like I that's why I think maybe it didn't hit for me is that this midwife's life could potentially be fucked. I mean she could go to jail over this. And besides, you're right, that one doctor we talked to who he said he they can't put any blame. But that's it. We, we don't I don't know. I just it just felt like if you're going to do the courtroom scene, at least at least kind of follow the rules of how, you know, criminal court and civil court go a little bit in terms of like the guilt, because because, you know, right after she had that big uh, sort of. Um, uh, uh, emotional testimony at the end. She does her second testimony. It, I know we're supposed to feel like, oh, look at she's let go of this. She stood up for herself the way her mother wanted, and the, and the midwife seems happy that they don't blame her. But that doesn't mean the midwife is not going to go to jail, right? That's not how that works. Yeah. Like the midwife could have messed up in a medical capacity, and these people wouldn't know because they're not medical professionals. In the same way, I don't know. That's a fair point, and it's also worth noting that I don't believe we ever get. The result of that trial i don't think we know what mm-hmm. happens to the midwife um and i think that could have been i i at least got emotionally invested uh, both with vanessa kirby's character and with the midwife and i did feel like that was a little bit of closure lacking from the film i'm like you know it's good that vanessa kirby got her own closure but i do want to know like was there someone at fault that that is something that i think could be worth knowing yeah and it kind of make. i mean if you think about it we didn't really get any closure we didn't see the closure for anybody right so like yeah. he shia labeouf moves to seattle presumably um mom gets dementia okay that's her character wrapped up in a neat bow right she's just gone i mean we don't even know when vanessa's giving that last testimony and her mom's watching is her mom supportive that she's standing up for herself, even though she's saying what her mom didn't want her to say? Like, we never get a clear read on that, and it's not even like, like, I feel like this kind of is a similar feeling I have to the whole Apple. There's, if you haven't seen the movie, there's 
uh, an apple comes into play a lot, whether it's a character picking it up and smelling it. Eventually she says that um, her newborn smelled like an apple. Uh, at the very end, there's again an apple. But it doesn't, we never hear anybody talk about a goddamn apple, right? Like we never, it, it, I think they're, they're trying to think it's this poetic thing, but it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. There's nothing else there besides it's an apple, right? We never get anything else that has it have symbolism. I mean, we could have even had it be, you know, the uh, original sin and the forbidden fruit, you know, from the, the Garden of Eden. Like we could have had a million different ways to go with it. And we just never get anything. It's just, oh, it's just an apple. But, oh, but there was an apple earlier. Remember that other apple? Hey, apple again. Yeah. I, I, to your point, like, I, I, one of the things that really irritated me about Shia LaBeouf's character is just, like, how abruptly he leaves. And you talk a lot about, like, how the mom, I mean, she's, she's there throughout, but she's leaving because of her dementia. And I, I originally didn't pick up on this. And for a lot of the movie, I was confused about what was going on with the mom. So I think when they originally are helping the mom leave the house and she can't find her keys. The sister helps her find them and they're in the bowl. And I thought it was implied that the grandmother was a swinger and that was, <laughs> she had left her keys in the bowl. And so then when they have the dinner, I thought that she was like, Oh, I invited someone else. And I was like, Oh my God, this is it's like it's already crazy the mom is now inviting other people to, like what the fuck is happening with this mom character that, that would have been swings. good that would have been nice we get some more depth it would have had some we don't even know anything character. yeah where's I the agree. dad we don't know yeah so i think I, I was i think the mom's character is pretty much there just for the monologue that she gives it like you know after they eat the dinner and i think that is the clearest example of this being a remnant of a stage play is just this like it's just you know shot reverse shot of them monologuing at each other which is great and it's you know it's a great acting showcase um but i i i don't know if i buy into the mom's dialogue about being you know left in the ghetto under the floorboards like it, it seems like it's building up to give vanessa kirby the strength to have that courtroom you know defense of herself but i, I guess i just don't buy into it as like helping her or you know pushing her against her mom like if anything i think the most relevant thing to come out of the mom's character is that she reveals that she wanted vanessa kirby to go about like a hospital birth and not do the home birth and that she was always opposed to it and i think like you know vanessa kirby's character like you said we never get any insight into why they didn't want to do a hospital um and so i think like it's interesting that there was someone else that was kind of opposing that from the beginning and i like even though I, I do kind of think it is interesting that we join them like right before the event happens and it, it does kind of make them cold from a viewer perspective. That is one of the areas that I do wish that we had a little bit more backstory on because like it is an active choice that they made. Right. I think that uh, maybe this is more of like a like kind of like getting into the politics of it, but I think this is kind of a choice of privilege is to have it in your home. Right. Like, you know, oftentimes if you're working and you have like an executive job, you probably could get the hospital paid for by your, your, insurance that you're probably provided to your company like it's it's a very active choice that these characters made but we're never given any insight like you said in, into why they wanted this and i like you know i didn't know anything about home birth either reading about it later like there are quite a few complications that you can just pretty quickly pull up stats on i like i didn't know that i think it was 27 to 36 percent of first-time mothers who try home birth end up having to transfer to a hospital because usually it's, it's said that you should be 15 minutes away so almost you know a third of those end up uh getting completed at a hospital so it's it's like a huge risk that they undertake but it's never explained why like i think that would have been some good characterization for people but i do like that the mom introduces that i just don't think enough was done with it yeah i that actually that speech i it, it started really good that first monologue which she has about being in the ghetto and during the holocaust and everything right that like it starts really good because i want it to hit Vanessa's character right I want I want to get something out of it and then at the end it kind of it, tra it trails off into the mom the mom's like I was a baby and the doctor held me up and I lifted my head and it's like I don't think you remember that you were an infant <laughs> right and and then Vanessa's character just cries and it's like which they don't they don't hug they don't have a reconciliation she doesn't say I still disagree with you get out it just ends and it's it's like ah did she did this did this change anything and then when she gives the speech in the courtroom shortly thereafter we still don't know how how big a factor was her mom's speech does her mom approve does her mom get it is she the infant lifting her head up as the doctor's holding her like a chicken right we never 
not we just there's it's just ugh. Uh, I was very I was very frustrated by parts of this movie. I got I got to admit. Yeah, I actually I think I would agree with that. The, the mom or the grandmother's speech. Um, it was weird because I thought it was a fairly powerful speech. I, I agree, it kind of trailed off at the end, but I didn't really feel like it was related to anything going on besides there being a birth. <laughs> you know, the, 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 exactly. I, I exactly. was unable to draw any parallels between the grandmother's experience and Vanessa Kirby's character's experience. And that was a little bit difficult for me because especially, you know, considering the subject matter of the, uh, of the speech, like it's clearly in a very emotional topic for the grandmother character. It's, it's well delivered. Uh, it's clear that she has a point. I'm just not sure that the point had anything to do with Vanessa Kirby's character's current situation. Um, no, it, it, and then we wonder: Is this another symptom of dementia? <laughs> like, is she just is she just rattling off on some tangentially related story? Like, that would seem weird to give as the character's major monologue, but we don't know. We're left to wonder. With that, though, I feel like I should mention we're running up on about an hour. So, would this be a good time to give our parting thoughts on the film? What do you guys think? Yeah, I wanted to get into the ending a little bit, and then parting thoughts. I also wanted to do a what you've been watching, which we I think next time we can do in the beginning as well. Um, but yeah, I think moving in, kind of moving in that direction. Um, yeah, let, are, let's hit the ending for sure. What did you, what did you guys think about it? So uh, when we say the ending, just to be clear, you're referring to the the very final scene where Vanessa Kirby's character has a live daughter who's climbing an apple tree and she gets her down and t- takes her to dinner yep yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. i to be completely honest i wasn't sure that that scene added anything to the movie for me other than a palate cleanser hmm yeah i i was again i was pretty frustrated by that scene because i thought the interesting story in this whole thing is how she comes back from this terrible event right and it you know it could have been like perhaps shia labeouf's character she doesn't come back but they showed us that she did so how how does she do that right and there's like plenty i mean you know it's a mood piece right so we're seeing that by having her new daughter or her, her i guess her second daughter and the apple tree that she's you know she's moved on she's she's conquered this this depression but she's still carrying that piece with her for the rest of her life it still influenced her but there's so much more we could have got like okay so it seems like she's living in a very very fancy country house in france or something now so perhaps she married a man her mother would approve of now because that was something her mother was upset was that shia labeouf was was poor so like there's there's like so much we could have seen there and we don't we don't get it we just at the very end it's like oh hey she figured it out you missed that part it's like oh cool great fuck me right yeah that's kind of how i felt i felt like we skipped over a whole lot between the the you know the courtroom scene and her suddenly having a daughter and, and seemingly a very happy situation and i felt like i don't know if it would have fit in the film but that development would have been interesting to see but just seeing the results of it, I I, I wasn't really intrigued. I wasn't uh, particularly moved. Uh, you, you know, the, no part of the movie really told me that she wouldn't be able to, you know, go forward with that part of her life at a different point in the future. And so without seeing how she got to that point in her life, the scene didn't do anything for me. Um, yeah. That said, yeah. still really well shot. Oh, it was gorgeous. The yeah. whole thing was gorgeous. Just Keegan, what'd you think of the ending? What'd you think of that? Oh, I mean, it was, a, it was a great credit overlay, right? Like, like you said, I think like beautiful cinematography from it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's on one hand, it's, you've been through hell and back with this character. You, you like, you know, even if, you know, you don't think that she's super sympathetic, like you obviously like want the best for her. So on one hand, it's as a viewer, it's nice to know, like, Hey, I feel awful, but at least she made some semblance of, of working out of this and it like you know she's happy she has a daughter um and you know we're tying in the apple motif whether or not it works um but i i think like tonally for a movie that is like clearly so interested in, in being this heavy mood piece bringing you along with like these really upsetting things i i kind of wish that it would have had the courage of its convictions to just not and i think like you know 
like maybe leave up to our imagination whether or not she can have that idyllic farmhouse nice you know being a mother experience and i think totally what would have been a better ending is if we just cut it off after the cafe right we have the scene where she's with her sister and her mom there's clearly some sort of reconciliation between them there you know she's more understanding to her mom's dementia and they hold hands and i feel like you know her life is this kind of small step forward into you know becoming a member of the family again and you know kind of pulling herself out of this after this big experience we've, we've gone through her with you know as opposed to this giant what is it like six year leap i don't, I don't know how, how old the daughter is but you know this potentially decade-long jump into the future just to show us that it's it's all okay um so yeah, yeah i, I yeah. guess i wasn't super no the, that cafe scene would have been great because like a small step right yeah but again it's like it's like who's this movie for because if it's for you know, perhaps people that have gone through sudden infant death syndrome or even uh, a miscarriage or things like that. Is that is that cathartic at the end for them mm-hmm. to see like, oh, in 10 years, it all works out. Don't even worry about it. Not a big deal. Like, I don't know. It just it's just knowing that it could, or you know. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think the cafe scene with that small step would have been more in line with what the rest of the movie was doing instead of this just like, oh, it's picturesque. And she married a rich guy and it all worked out. Yeah, I want th- I might sound like a conspiracy theory but i did think that it was you know it was light the the lighting of the scene was completely different so i had actually thought for a minute that she had killed herself on the bridge and this was this (laughs) some kind of like afterlife experience because there's there's no sunlight in the movie until we get to this scene so i'm like did she commit suicide and she's now living out this fantasy in heaven like what's going on yeah i actually that would have been good. i didn't think about the suicide angle but i when the scene started was convinced it was either a dream scene or a flashback to vanessa kirby's yep. character's childhood i was thinking there's no way that this has occurred like in the chronological order that is implied by its place in the movie um yeah it, it like i there's almost a part of me that wonders if there was some like production element or something that wanted that scene included just because to me it felt mm-hmm. really out of place yeah hmm. i mean I, at first i thought it was going to be a, a flash forward just like it was but it was going to show her and i because it you know one of the last scenes we had with her mom was her uh her mom talking about um she says it's not that shia labeouf's poor it's that he's a bore he's boorish right so I was thinking we're going to flash forward. We're going to see her in this fancy house. She's going to have, you know, the rich, non-boorish husband that her mother likes, but she's still miserable or something, or she still can't conceive. Like, so, like something, again, to make it negative, and it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know. I cannot I, believe I just, that you're, I just, your takeaway from this movie was... I just wanted to be over, and I'm never having kids. I cannot believe that your takeaway from this is that you wanted it to be continually more dark and upsetting <laughs> to be more miserable than it already was. Oh man. Well, what I will All say, right, let's do something happy next week, please. For the love of yeah. God. Something happy. I'll take camp as well. Just anything other than incredibly real misery. Yeah. yeah well, that would be good. So, okay. So the order that we have now is I'll be doing the next B week and then we'll do a main release. We have a TBD on that. Taylor will be doing the next and then Hank will do the next open rec. And then we're going to keep that cycle for the same. So for my movie next week that we'll be watching is on HBO max. It's the studio Ghibli movie Porco Rosso, which I think is an incredible studio Ghibli movie. And one that's maybe not as well seen. Is this something you guys have seen before? Yeah. I saw it in theaters actually. Damn it. I actually, I, I have seen it, but I was about 12 at the time. I was a young boy. Okay. Taylor, how old, how long ago did you see it in theaters? Uh, a couple years ago, one of the the Cinerama here in Seattle, they were doing a bunch of Studio Ghibli movies, so I got to go see it on the big screen. That, well, have you guys? Okay, that we could do that. Have you guys seen Ponyo? I have. Yeah. Damn it. Okay, let's do let's do Poco Rosso. I think that's I think that's probably one of my favorite Miyazaki movies. So okay, we'll do that next week. Um, I know we're running a little long on time. Anything you guys have watched in the past week you want to bring up? Um, not strictly within the past week but uh i am a little bit late to the party on buffy the vampire slayer the tv series nice and um, (laughs) i've never watched that i honestly feel like it is much better than it has any right to be um and that's all i'll say (laughs) about it um but yeah that's that's how how far are you because i've i've watched half of the first season and i really struggled to get into it i'm five seasons in <laughs> oh, okay. So you're yeah, deep. no. I, for me, at least, I would say it hit its stride like partway through the second season. Um, okay. 
I, I don't mm. want to go into too much detail. It's not what the podcast is about. But uh, watching the fourth season, the fifth season, I'm just like, oh boy, oh golly, this is actually like a, a fairly quality show. And I was watching it for some camp. So <laughs> it's, it's it's Joss Whedon, right? Oh yeah, it's Joss Whedon. Yep. But you know, it's a young Joss Whedon. I wasn't sure if he'd hit his stride. <laughs> You know what? After Pieces of Woman, let's just make this a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. We'll Can we just only review episodes. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movies or TV shows? Uh, oh, God. Um, I immediately after Pieces of Woman needed to get that taste out of my mouth. So I watched The Hangover 2, which my partner had not seen. So totally, totally different mood. And it was exactly what I wanted. Nice. Yeah. So two things. I... Throughout the break, I watched all three seasons of Cobra Kai, which uh, I actually just finished my script for for a review of the third season. So uh, it's very good, like you said, way better than it has any right to be. Uh, if you're a fan of like '80s action movies, it's like it, it introduces a lot of nice like modern touches to it. Um, I think, again, you know, not to go along on it, I think it's a show that takes a lot from east asian culture but maybe doesn't pay its respects as it should i think there's uh some pretty lack uh pretty pretty lacking casting um not a lot of diversity there and i think there's uh, some not so respectful homages to the asian american characters that we do get so uh rest in peace to mr miyagi but this is maybe not the best send-off for him uh, and then the other thing i watched is i stayed up till midnight last night and watched wandavision on disney plus which is Marvel's first foray into TV shows outside of the Netflix stuff. So uh, this ties in with the original um, phase one through three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Super high quality. Um, I got into it because some of the, re the early reviews were saying that it was almost Lynchian. Super, super weirdly dark, um, but it also is set in an I Love Lucy black and white um, like setting. So very fun, very confusing, and I would definitely recommend that as well. All right. Let's look forward to a happy movie next week. Porco Rosso is going to be a good time. 